not be the total truth. No, 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 no. See the way society is built today, like a trap. It's built in a way that keeps you in the dark. Trapped. Cause if your light shines through, you might figure out who and what you are. A magnificent being. Don't be scared of that. Do not be scared. That's why I'm here to help you remember. Great morning, great evening, good afternoon, depending on where you're at on this beautiful planet or this amazing universe. Welcome to Brown and Spiritual AF, where me and Isela Garcia, my lovely, amazing, talented, gifted co-host, we bring to you guys ideas and concepts that really and, and that have to do with spirituality that really help shape shape our lives as we were going through childhood into our young adulthood into our adulthood into what we are adult children right and we bring these concepts and today we're going to bring you a concept about um redefining the child and parent relationship right and the roles we play spiritually into that Right. We have this crazy concept in our mind that it's a do as I say world, right, where a parent is like, this is what you got to do because I said so. And then they just kind of dump all their expectations onto us. But it's like, wait a minute, that's not my dream. That's not the life that I want to live. What about me? They're like, who cares what you want? This is what society says you're going to do. Right. So Missy Sella has really been resisting this kind of work. Right. She's been doing this shit for like a long time. But I guess there's some generational stuff that's really clinging on to what's safe versus what's uncomfortable and what her life work, what her soul is calling her to do versus what society's asking her to do. Right. So, Missy Stella, would you like to um, touch bases a little bit on um, what we're really going to uncover and unpack in this episode? Yeah, so this has been a big transformational experience for me, not one that I didn't see coming, but one that I really resisted. Um, I have been in the field of early childhood education for over 30 years. I'm um, a person who people call out when there is concerns. So it could be concerns with relationships among staff. It could be concerns about how we're caring for and educating a child. It could be concerns about um, behavioral issues. Uh, sometimes it's as a result of their traumatic childhood experiences. And so I have really focused on um, doing that work. I was a director of crisis intervention program, actually two crisis intervention programs, and have worked with a great number of families and children in in dire straits. And so what I mean by that is children who've been abused um, sexually, have been abused uh, physically, uh, there's neglect, abandonment, attachment issues, um, uh, substance abuse, there could be uh, domestic violence, uh, experiencing homelessness, I mean, you name it, and that those were my kids. And, um, and so in my spiritual world, and I really believe that the journey that kind of led me to do, doing that work was my own past abusive experiences. And I was healing as I worked with families and children because I could relate on a level that I can't train others to relate. I, I can't, not at the level that I have in terms of my awareness because I lived so many of those things. And so it provided this insight for me that really made me pretty successful at the work that I'm doing. And so I had like these two parallel lives. I had this like there was a life of me being um, someone, again, who sort of works with kids in crisis situations who um, and, and helping adults learn how to care for and educate them in a way that's loving and caring and responsive. And then I had my spiritual, my own spiritual development and healing, um, self-help, you know, all my healing, personal development and my spiritual development happening, happening simultaneously. And across, I guess, over the last, I would say, at least 20 years, I have brought in my spirituality into my teaching practice and my work with adults. And so I would talk about being fully present before it was like a thing. I would talk about, you know, how do we express love and where's your discomfort with expressing love without saying, you know, this is a spiritual reason behind what is happening. Like, I wouldn't say those things, but I would. I would convey the same messages in education. And um, I have I have focused primarily on working with adults on healing their own early childhood traumas in the spiritual realm. And I got um, three messages recently 
Um, and one, the very last message was somebody in, on our lives that shows up on Wednesday with Tina and I, who do, we do live uh, mini readings, intuitive mini, mini readings. And a person was asking about her child and she was asking about her. There was a struggle between, there was a co-parenting situation between um, her and her husband and her one-year-old son. And it was like a big, um, I don't want to say it wasn't a, it was a two by four. Cause it wasn't, you know, like a two by four to me is like something that makes you drop to your knees and, and surrender. But it was like one of those whispers of the universe where I'm like, holy shit, this has been the third consecutive message that I have received that I have information about this holy relationship that we are supposed to have with our children. And I've been pushing it away. And I've been pushing it away. I'm like, nope, I don't want to do kids. I'm just going to work with adults. No kids. And that message was like, um, it was like, you know, when people talk about this, oh, you know, like, I like, I'm supposed <laughs> to do this. That was what I felt. And I'm like, fuck, I don't want to do this work. But I wow. feel like it's what I'm supposed to do. What you're supposed to do, right? And, and you said something really interesting right you utilize the term holy relationship right so for those that are like listening and don't um are not really in the spiritual realm or just getting into that can you define what a holy relationship uh means um through your lens through through how you see it yeah there are many ways people define holy relationships and the way that i define it when i'm when I'm talking about the relationships with those that we hold closest to us is that they go beyond space and time, that it's, there's a divine purpose behind the reason why we have been brought together. And this divine reason is, has been intended and orchestrated by the both of us at a soul level. So we came into this agreement together to learn at the deepest level of who we are. Unfortunately, it gets all jumbled and it gets all fucked up because of all of the, the his, history of childhood trauma or we pass on what we has been done to us or not provided to us. And so we keep perpetuating this cycle that isn't healthy for children and it becomes a special relationship. And what I mean by that is we have then defined, we come to define love with um, expectations and then it becomes an exchange. It's like, um, you know, I'm going to love you if you please me, if you do what's what, what I expect of you. And then it becomes a special relationship and that's where we fuck it all up. It's a holy relationship where I can see that I'm showing up for you as my child and my child is showing up for me to help me learn about who I am and what I need to do to grow at, not only at this person that I call myself Isela, but at the deepest soul level. Huh, that's really interesting, right? So, dad, if you're listening to this, I came to teach you something, right? <laughs> I came to teach you something, Mother Lover of Jones. Now, and I think my mom understood that at some level because she did say something interesting to me growing up, right? She used to be like, mijo, I know you don't belong to me. You belong to God. And at this point in life, she she still uses the term God, right? And I just came to make sure that um, I, I have you grow to the way you have to go, right? And then you go off into the world and create what it is you want to create. So let's just say, for instance, so knowing this, right, you came in with a divine purpose, which is to do this work, which you're resistant to, right? Um, so we talked about this. You basically chose your parents, right? And right. so where did that resistance start, right? Because you said we get all jumbled up and stuff. How did we get jumbled up? Like, where in the process, where in the chain did you get fucked up and get diverted from the true mission that, which is this resilience that you have today, right? Because I could tell it's a little uncomfortable. Yeah. So, um, well, there's two parts of this question. I think the first part you asked was about my resistance to doing this work. That has nothing to do with my childhood because I've done my own healing and I've done my, like, I really, in my heart, believe that my mom did the very best. My mom and dad did the very best they knew how to do. And you know what I forget? I forget that they were in their twin, early twenties when they had me. Like that just like they had me in their early 20s and I look at early 20 year olds and I'm like, you don't fucking know anything. And not only that, 
But at the time, there wasn't the internet. There wasn't ways to recognize that you have had a traumatic childhood and that that like we didn't have that research at the time and that what was done to you was wrong. And you should have been loved and nurtured and connected, but you can't give what you don't have. So to be pissed off at my parents who did what they knew how to do and to say, you know, you should have loved in this way or what I needed was this, that and the other is unrealistic because they didn't have that experience themselves as children. So you have to, in order, in order to create a systemic change, uh, a ch any change, you have to really develop that intentionally within you. It doesn't just magically happen. So I understand that now. And I have, I'm at peace with that part. What my resistance is, God, this, and this is really a, a tough one for me. What, what my resistance is, is that I really believe that we to each their own. And what I mean by that is like, you get to believe in terms of your religious beliefs, how you live your life, what you choose, how you define a relationship, whether you're gay or you feel like you are trans, that you are transgender, that you have, I don't care. It's like, and it's not that I don't care, but you get to choose. You get to choose your experience of life. And even from a spirituality lens, I share what I believe spiritually. If it resonates with you, great, fabulous. You know, come, let's talk. Let's have this conversation. If it doesn't, you're like, fuck this. This is stupid shit. It's okay, too. You get to believe that. So when I talk about parenting, it's a, it's one of those things that can trigger. Like, uh, um, number one, we're all trying to do the best we possibly can as parents. And here I am coming in saying, yeah, what you just did right there is going to fuck up your child. I think number two, it's like <laughs> we have very strong. My kid has to go to Harvard. My kid has to be perfect in every way. Or my kid has to do these things. Well, your kid's not acting out to piss you off. Your kid's acting out because he doesn't have self-regulation skills. And that's not developed until they're in their mid-20s. So it's like, here I'm coming with ideas and suggestions and beliefs that I think can impose, you know, or push against what people really feel strongly about. And I'm uncomfortable with that. And when I'm in education, you know, we, we hire educators, we hire principals and teachers. So it's their job to do this work. <laughs> it's their job to support children like this. But as a parent, you get to choose. And that's where I feel uncomfortable. Like I'm, yeah, I feel uncomfortable with that. And so I, but I'm like, I feel like, and it's really an odd sensation, but I feel like my guides and the angels are like pushing me, like shoving me in this direction. And I'm like dragging my feet going, no, <laughs> I don't want to do it. <laughs> but I know that I'm, I'm not going to feel at peace until I do. Yeah, you, you said something really interesting because like let's talk about principals and teachers, right? You you, you said they're that's their job, right? And I could sense sometimes growing up because I, I I was in high school obviously and I did graduate like top twenty five percent of my class. I know I probably don't look like that people, but I was a great motherfucking student. All right, don't judge a book by its cover. Anyhow, let's think about their mission and their life, right? Is it possible? Because I seen this. It's like, I seen these motherfuckers doing a job that if they seem to hate. Oh yeah. Right. Like I, the principals, like you mother, you're supposed to be here helping me. Why does it seem like I'm a bother to you because I'm in your office, right? Which I didn't take very many trips to the principal's office, but I had friends that did. And I got teachers. I'm just thinking to myself, like, why the fuck are you here if you don't really care about, you know what I mean? They did it for the paycheck, right? Did they get fucked up somewhere along the line? Is that like, are they going through the same type of yeah. scenario, right? Well, let me, uh, so this, this is a question. This is a bigger question because this is true for parenting and this is true for education. It is simultaneously true. A lot of us were raised in what's called the punishment reward model. So this is even in the best of situations. We're not even talking about trauma. Okay, we're going to set aside trauma. We were built um, and parent, as parents and as educators in this, this um, reward and punishment. So what it means is that if I behave well and I do what's expected me, I get rewarded for that. 
I get rewarded for that um, in lots of ways. When you're little, it's candy and stickers, right? And then as you get older, you're like fourth grade. You're like, fuck the stickers. What else am I going to get, right? (laughs) And And we need to understand that when we're born, we're intrinsically motivated to learn. That means that within me, I have a desire to learn, to discover, and to figure out my world. We're born with that. When we hit about two years of age, that's or about one and a half to two, our parents want us to become potty trained. And so they start to really enforce what we call external rewards. And so, you know, you go potty and they go, yay, good job, you went potty. Here's a candy, here's a this, here's a that. And we start to praise and praise and praise because it works. It works and a kid gets excited. I pleased you. That means I'm, I'm a good boy or I'm a good kid because I pleased you. And so what we're doing slowly but surely is we're taking away this internal guidance system that we were born with. And what happens is we start to become dependent of the external reward and the external attention and the external praise. And so the more, and it works, that's why we keep doing it. And so then the child goes, mommy, mommy, did you see what I did? Teacher, teacher, did you see what I did? Look at how fast I was. Do you like my hair? Do you like my shoes? And see, when they're little, they're like six, seven, and eight or younger all the way, you know, from childhood, all like little, little kids all the way to, you know, seven-ish, eight. The adults in the world are the ones who they want that praise from, right? They're like, did you see my work? Did you see? Look at how, aren't you proud of me? Because when we get that, we define that as love. And that goes into the other question you asked. This is how we get all fucked up. So we define this as love, but really it's just an exchange right? You did something that pleased me and I praised you for it. And now I'm excited. And now we have an exchange. I do what's right according to your eyes and I get praised and I feel good about myself. And so now I'm loved, right? I now start to define love as this exchange. So then what happens is we get a little bit older and and around eight and nine, the adults in our world, they're, they're always important to us. But what becomes more more important are our friends, because this is the beginning of moving into adulthood. Like I start to pay attention to what my friends think about me. And um, and that's normal. That's a normal part of development, because eventually you want your child to look out into the world and do what they want to do, what do what they need to do in this world. So it's a normal part of development. But we have trained the brain because in brain development, skills beget skills. So what that means is we build these primary foundational skills. And so we, what happens is then when they get about this age, the people who are important to them is their friends. And so the friend says, yeah, you're stupid. Those clothes are stupid. Why are you wearing that shit? You're da, 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 da. And so because we train the brain to look outside, the brain then doesn't know how to tap into that internal motivation and internal guidance system anymore because we took that away from them. And so then that little comment, your shoes are stupid, you shop at Goodwill, you blah, 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 (laughs) you're ugly, look at your nose, look how fat you are, can take a child and just crush them. But see, we did that to them. We took away what they were born with because it worked to, we call this the carrot and the stick. We, we hung the carrot like this and we dangled it and they kept running towards it. I'm going to, you're going to be so proud of me and you're going to, and, and then they become, you know, nine and 10 and 15 and 20. And especially with social media, because social media has a lot to do with this now in this day and age where we keep, now we're comparing ourselves to, and we do stuff like, look at how your, your brother, look at how good your brother is. Oh. Why can't you be more like him? Or in our classrooms, do you see Maria? Maria is waiting. She's listening. Let's see if anyone else can listen like Maria does. This is called manipulation. Mm. And we manipulate. And what we do is we butt up kids against one another. And then what they learn is to compare themselves to others, to define who they are. So even in these approaches as parents and as educators that we have all been doing in the best situation. So when I'm talking about trauma again, best situation, we are teaching children to look outside themselves for approval and acceptance, 
that they have to behave a certain way in order to receive love and that they need to compare themselves to one another. And when they are better than is when they out excel someone else when they're, but there's always going to be somebody better than you always, always. And so we don't prepare children based on how they come in and who they are. We don't prepare them that way. We rip away the truth of who they are and we try to manipulate in, in, in call it motivation to get them to do what we want them to do. And that's true in education and that's true in parenting. Dang, man, you just brought back so many memories, right? Because I, I always did great in school, right? I knew I did great in school because if I did good in school, my mom and my aunt would let me do whatever the fuck I want, right? So that was my freedom, right? That's why I did that shit. That's your motivation, yeah. right? That was your motivation. Now, you know what I mean? And I was a good kid because I knew, right, if I was good, well, I guess it just meant I would bow down and I would be like, yeah, because I didn't want to get in trouble. One, I wanted to do whatever the fuck I wanted to do again, right? But my aunt, or somebody would be like, look, look at Mark. He gets great grades. He does this. He listens. He does what I tell them. Tell him, right? And it was like, fuck, that would fucking fuck me up sometimes. Because then my cousin would be like, all pissed off. Oh, you think you're all bad and this and that. Yeah. And so I think we talked about this in other, um, in other podcasts. Sometimes I would do bad shit and get caught on purpose. So then I could have my cousin be like, oh, okay, you're not so perfect, right? And it's crazy how we've been manipulated into this shit. Oh, my gosh. People, if you're listening to this, right? Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. And, yeah, and it works. And that's why we do it. And we do it because we don't have another way. Huh. So what was done to us, what comes from a history. And then and now we add culture. And now we add trauma. And now oh, we shit. add all those other things, right? So in truth, what kids need is we need to recognize that they come in there's two levels of awareness the first level of awareness is they come in as souls with an, a significant amount of wisdom knowledge and understanding in truth they are perfection okay Ooh. the second layer is this human experience and we have all this is all of us because we were all babies at, a, at one time so we come in when this human experience and the reason why we come in is to learn and we come in to remember. So if you can imagine our E hyphen member, remember the truth of who we are. So we come in <clears throat> with the hope that we're going to experience opportunities for forgiveness. We're going to experience love. We're going to experience even anxiety and frustration and happiness and joy because those opportunities help us get to our truth. So we, but we, we forget all that when we're born and we are put, we come into this physical form and we have a developing brain that is new and developing, which means now they're experience based. So the experiences in terms of nurturing and connection and opportunities develop this brain so you can imagine i'm at the deepest level a perfect soul but my brain or and my brain has experienced these things and so now i'm interpreting my life based on my brain's experiences and now i'm then developing an understanding of awareness that i'm more than my brain so that's the next level but <clears throat> we forget that we see this little helpless baby and we think I'm the one that God chose me. Well, no, not really. You two agreed upon this before you came in as a soul contract or a sacred contract. And, and the thing about this sacred contract is that it you didn't make how it played out. Like that's free will. That's free choice. That happens here. But you said, hey, and this is the way I imagined it for me. This is the way it feels very true to me. Um, so when, before we come into physical form, I, they say Isela and that's, you know, I'm more that I'm not just Isela. This is one lifetime, but Isela, what would you like to learn in this lifetime? And I said, you know, forgiveness is something that I really want to experience. I probably need to learn, um, how to speak up for myself. I probably need to learn like to trust my voice and to develop my intuition. Like I really want, these are the things I want to learn. And so they look around at all the other souls and they go, okay, who wants to? And you have a soul family that you continue to experience from lifetime to lifetime. And it changes, it changes, but you have a, a, a soul family. And and they go, who wants to help you sell it in this lifetime? And I envisioned, my mom said, I will. 
And so we enter upon an agreement and, you know, like a signed document, we enter upon this agreement. We're going to come together in this lifetime. How it plays out is all free will. And now we, so we come into this life and it's a fucked up situation. <laughs> but did I get the opportunity to practice forgiveness? Yeah. Did I learn what really go into this deep understanding of what love is? Yeah. And not everybody accomplishes those things. It just depends. A lot of things play into this. But these experiences that we have are intended for us to learn, to learn from our experiences um, and to develop at the deepest level of our soul. Holy smoke. So two things, people. We get to learn, right? And remember, right? We're learning to remember, in a, in a, in a sense. Right. So that's really cool. So everybody, cause we're, we're, we're all unique, right. We're all uh, got a spark of the creator within us and we all made these contracts. So, and you talked about soul family, like, so for instance, we could have made a, a contract a long time ago where we said, Hey, we're going to help each other grow through this media outlet, right. We're going to help each other grow through our uh, entertainment personalities or through our spiritual voice. Right. Hence why you came in, you, you, you got all fucked up somewhere, forgot the mission, but yet you're being pulled and called to uncover that. Right. Cause you had to remember who you truly are and why you came here, but that kind of got messed up with the family, family dynamic. And then our friend dynamic, like, hence why I started, I joined gangs. Right. Right. And then I had family that would always like, just talk down and you think, Oh, you're think you're better than us. No, I was just different. Right. And which why I, I kind of followed the pack for so long. Yeah. Right. So through that journey. Right. And as I'm seeing you speak up about it here, when like I, I know you talked about the moments like, hey, 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 what is it that we're moving forward into? What is your next step? What is the next? Um, You know what I mean? What's that next level for you? Yeah. I, I think for me now, it's being more vocal about our relationships with our children. But there's twofold to this. There's, everything has twofold. <laughs> the first thing is my relationship with my child or children and my relationship with my 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 parents, right? So even if you don't have children, it's having an understanding of the dynamics that occurred when I was in relationship with my family. And that's part of the healing process. And the, the beautiful part of this experience is that if you do have children, and, and it's not just children, it's in relationships with others, that in your relationships, when you have an understanding and you have a willingness to heal from those past hurts, um, you can show up in the world where you can honor other people, that you can be reflective of who they are, and, and then choose to be respectful of who they are. Um, and how to nurture and support your child without using manipulation and judgment and blame and all the things that was done to us. And so, but that pattern of behavior is really hard to change because we think we're right. We think we know better. I mean, how many times do we hear, because I said so? Oh, right. Because the chunkla said so. Yeah. And I think back and I remember I was 12 years old. Was I 12? I may have have been 12 because there's two different situations. But I remember around 12 when I realized that my mom didn't didn't know better. She wasn't like she did the best she knew how to do. But it's, you know, when you're a kid, you're like your parents know everything. They make the best decisions for you. They (laughs) right. You you're made to believe that. And in some cultures is you need to respect your elders. So you're made to believe that you need to stay small because they know better than you. And I remember watching my mom one day. God, it was such a revelation to me. I remember and I said, she doesn't know what the fuck she's doing. And I, I remember saying that to myself and I also remember saying all I need to do is survive that's all I need to do is survive this home and once I leave I can change my life and I remember that and but that's a hard thing to live with because when you have that awareness as a young child and your parents make decisions that are just don't make sense 
Like, and, and you're not perceived as somebody who can offer a suggestion. I'll give you a good example. It's a very simple example. The lawnmower broke. And um, so I said to my mom, because I was going to have to cut the grass fucking 115 degree heat. I had to cut the grass and I said, the lawnmower broke. Um, she's like, well, did you put gas in it? And I said, uh, yeah, <laughs> like, I'm not stupid, right? I said, yes, there's gas in it. And she goes, what did you do to it? So went right to blame. What did I do to it? Right. That this was this was just how we engaged. <laughs> She's like, what did I said? I didn't do anything. I pushed the bar. I pulled it. It's not starting. I tried like 10 times. It's not working. So she she stomps outside. I know you did something. So she goes outside to the backyard and she looks at it. And she starts fucking around the bolts at the top of it. And I stood there and I was like, OK, so. That's how the lawnmower is put together. <laughs> that has nothing to do with the motor, it, like the engine itself, right? Like that, that's not, that's not where it's broken. That's how it's, it comes together. Like I'm sitting there watching her thinking, okay, now, but I know not to say shit. I know not to say shit because if I say anything, she's going to go, what, why do you think you know? You don't know everything. I didn't ask you. It could be this. And so she couldn't even go, oh, Isela, what do you think it might be? Or do you have a suggestion? Or, you know, what have you done before? Has there been any, has it ever happened like this before? There was none of that. It's like, she's now in charge. I need to step back, shut the hell up, and just wait for her to assess the situation and to say what I just said, that the lawnmower was broken. And that was, a, make cons sure. that was a constant state. That was constant. It was... I didn't have a voice. I didn't know better. I was a child and I need to know my place. And so, and I had to wait for her reaction constantly. Like I had to constantly judge, you know, is she going to be in a good place or a not so good place? And so I think when you get to that realization that your, your parents maybe don't know everything, maybe aren't making the best decisions, maybe don't have the capacity because of their own emotional immaturity, um, they weren't loved. They weren't supported. They weren't nurtured. Like all of those things come in. But when you realize that you're kind of like, I'm fucked. <laughs> I'm stuck in this situation <laughs> and I just have to survive. That and is, that was my life. That is so crazy too, because the more and more I hear these stories, the more and more I hear you talk and, and talk about like your situation. I'm like, Oh my gosh, mine was like a cakewalk. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, uh, I, you know what I mean? My, my, my mom included us as part of the team to try to figure shit out. Like, I'm not saying she was perfect all the time because she fucked us up a lot because she used her power <laughs> as a way. She knew like, how to do. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? But she would say, hey, what do you think? How do you feel about this? Right. And, and, I, and, 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 and if I, for instance, like, right, you know what I mean? If it was doing our homework, right, she would get so upset when I couldn't get the right answers. Right. But I couldn't learn properly when my mom's over my shoulder fucking yelling at me to do it. Yeah. 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 Right. That's one thing. She's not a great teacher. Mom, you know, you're not a great teacher when it came to that stuff. And she would admit it nowadays. Well, right? Let me stop you there. OK, so let me start. This is a really good example, Mark. So let me tell you what's happening. And this is where with good intentions, right? Like a good parent is going to push your child to do their homework. Right. So this is a good thing. Good intentions. The problem with this. You said she's yet over your shoulder yelling at you, trying to trying to make sure you get it done, right? You need to get it done. You're going to get in trouble if you don't or whatever. You're going to fail, whatever. What happens in the body? So this is what's really important and what most adults, most people don't know. And we didn't know until the last 20 years is that um, when you, when somebody is yelling at you or when you feel threatened, so it's when you, you feel threatened in any way, and sometimes it's deep, at a deep subconscious level. What happens is you go into what's called the reptilian part of your brain. This is back here. This is your brain stem and it's the fight or flight. And so for a lot of people, it's fight, flight, freeze or foe and, and or fawn. And so what happens, like with my daughter, when she's like overwhelmed, she shuts down. So she's looking at her homework. She's got her pencil in her hand. She feels just discombobulated. She feels her body feels threatened and she just freezes. So she's looking at it. She's trying to think, but her brain's not working. And the reason is because she's functioning back here. And in order for her to do her work, she has to function from the prefrontal cortex right up here. This is where you are able to think rationally, figure things out, make connections. But if you have fear, 
and you have uncertainty and you have doubt, your brain is functioning back here. You can't even access your, your thinking brain. You can't even access it. So when you have the adults, the teachers, the parents telling you, you need to do this, you need to do this, you're functioning at a place in your brain where you can't even think. And then they get more and more pissed off because we're freezing or with now we're reacting. Some kids, they're like, fuck this shit. I don't want to do this anyway. I don't want to do that. I don't care about this. And it's not because they don't care. And it's not because they, they're saying fuck that shit. It's because they're not coming from a rational brain, the thinking brain. They're coming from the freak out place. So there's a biological reason why kids aren't able to move through the expectations when there is a, a perceived threat. Wow. Can you know how powerful this would have been? Right. Right. It, yeah. it, uh, how powerful this can be. You see, I'm glad you're doing this work because look, this is what's going to, this is what I see happening, right? Is not only teaching um, parents, right? Mothers, they go to Lamaz class. I think that's what it's called, right? They learn how to breathe, to have the baby. They learn how to pat it on his back and do all this like, like survival shit, right? Right. But what about this type of teaching? Understanding, right? Like where where their child's coming from. Like what type of questions to ask while they're trying to get their 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 child to learn something, or where it's freaking out and not freaking out at them because, like, if my mom understood that, or parents understood this now that, oh my gosh, hold on. He can't think properly because I'm yelling at him. He's fight or flight. I need to allow his brain to switch to this side. Right. How do I get him or her to focus right. from up here? Yeah. How do I make them feel safe? Is that, oh, is that because the child just feels like defenseless? It doesn't feel safe. Is that why it freaks yeah. out and it switches to the back of the brain? Yep. Is so when basically what just happened there, there are lots of parts of the brain, but the way yeah. that I help educators simplify this understanding is there's yeah. the brain stem. So this is when we don't feel safe. There's the limbic system, which is the emotional center. So if you kind of go straight through, it's the emotional center. And this is, are we okay? Do you love me? Am I loved? Do I feel connection? It's also the part of our brain that holds on to judgment and holds on to old shit. So it's the part that doesn't like to change. Um, and well, the brain in general doesn't like to change because the more and more you have a pattern, the more those connections are formed. And so what you experience, what fi fires parts of the brain and what fires together wires together. And so that's how our connections are made. Then this part of our brain is called the prefrontal cortex. And this is where we are able to make connections to past experiences. We're able to think about how do these things co connect? We're able to think about consequences so we can think about when I do this, this is what happens. So my behavior can create this. Um, this part of the brain isn't really fully developed until our mid-20s. Holy shit balls, Batman. Yeah. So we get pissed off at like teenagers for doing stupid shit. Well, that's because this part of the brain, when they go, what were you thinking? It, their brain was misfiring. They're not there just yet. But what do we do? We punish them for something that they don't know how to do. So from an education standpoint, the way that I help people understand this, if a child did, couldn't read, okay, if the child still couldn't read, would I yell at the child, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why can't you write your name? Why can't you read your name? Why can't you read? You're so stupid. Now, sometimes that does happen, but that we all know, even if you do that to your child, you know that's not the right thing to do right? When a child needs help learning to read, we need to help the child. So we need to read more. We need to teach them the mechanics. We call this decoding. There's lots of parts to learning how to read. We have to come from a place of seeing them as someone who can read in order to help them learn to read, right? Well, our social and emotional selves also develop in the same way. So what that means is like we have to support them through the process. We have to nurture them. They have to feel safe, secure, and loved in order for them to learn how to problem solve, to have communication skills, be able to see the consequences of their behavior, know what to do next. If they don't feel safe, secure, and loved, this part of the brain can't be accessed. And so we keep fucking up over and over and over again, and we hold children to these expectations that they have not yet developed and it's not their fault. It's that we haven't provided the things that they need in order for them to get there. Wow, so I kind of just had this image in my head, right? If we kind of like 
Like, we don't tell a baby, you stupid baby. Learn to right. fucking walk, you idiot. Like, yeah. how dumb. You fell for the fucking 10th time. Like, so if we took the approach, right, if we could teach people, if I could learn to take the approach as, as if the baby's learning to walk approach and teaching them other things, right? Now, I mean, like, you know what I mean? Not use that little, I'll talk to them like babies and whatnot. But if we still help them feel safe and kept encouraging them and taught them like how we taught them to walk, if we carried that basic similar ideology, right? They're still learning. Forward, yeah, to learn later on. Why, where, like, where, where, where do we lose that patience? <laughs> yeah. So we lose that patience in, in, I think, two very distinct ways. The first way is that when they're babies, and I think this is all intended, they're cute and they're lovely. Not always. Some babies are ugly. No thanks. <laughs> it's because you're not a parent. It's, <laughs> it changes. It does. It changes. You have a different appreciation than for them. And so what happens is you go, oh, I love no this little being who doesn't know yet right and then the child gets about two and they start to go no no and you're like put your shoes on and they're like no and they throw themselves on the floor and they like throw those take their shoes off and throw it across the room and we have this belief system now that the child should know better they know better than to act like that how many times do i have to tell you and as the older the child gets the more we believe that the child should know better and the problem isn't that they don't know how to put their shoes on. It's that they are what's called, they, they, they go into their big emotions. They become dysregulated. And it just means that they feel these emotions and they don't know what to do. Adults don't know. And so adults, the child doesn't know what to do with these big emotions. They're lashing out and adults take it personal. They start to go, why are you acting like that? You better stop behaving that way. You know better than, the, than to talk to me like that. And they start taking it personal. It's not ain't got a damn thing to do with you. So when we go back to the spiritual purpose of our relationship, our role and our responsibility, if we looked at it from a place of nurture, support, love, safety, and connection, we recognize that they're having big emotions. They're not giving you a, they're not giving you a hard time. They're having a hard time. And so we go, whoa, you, you really don't want to put those shoes on right now and not get all pissed off about it. Because when we match their behavior and we, the kids are, blah, 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 and we're like, how do you need to hurry up? We got to get to work. How many times do I have to tell you? We're matching it. So what happens is we're perpetuating the problem and we're both now in that freak out place of our brain. So when we're the calm of the storm, we, this is called co-regulation. We actually help children then find that calmness, but we can't do it if we're both functioning at the level of, you know, being freaking out, freaking out. And so, and we have to recognize that the child is simply having an experience. We all have experiences that are, that don't feel good, that are frustrating, that are irritating. Some of us are better at, at hiding it. Some of us are better at responding to it. Some of us blow up. And so what we're doing is we teach children how to be in the world by how we are in the world. So when my, I have a 14 year old right now who I've done this with her. And remember, I don't know if you've, you've never listened to our podcast before. I share that I did not have a child until I was for damn sure I wasn't going to repeat the cycle of abuse. And I watched my 14 year old who still has meltdowns. She's still because she's huge. She's having a human experience. So she has meltdowns, she cries, she's frustrated, she has all these things going on. And instead of me going, you know better, you need to do your homework. And how many times do I have to tell you? And why, instead of doing that, I go, Gia, what, what would be helpful to you right now? How can I help you through this? And I take my deep breaths because I know that in order, it's called mirror neurons, in order for her to get to a calm state, I have to be calm. So I take a couple deep breaths and I go, what would be most helpful to you right now? I can see you're feeling really frustrated about what just happened. Is it better for me to be here with you? Is it better for me to just wait? Are you able to tell me what you need right now? Now, she's had this since the time she was born. Okay, so it's not something you start with a 14-year-old and you just expect it to work because kids seek patterns. And so they're going to push and push and push until you go back to your old ways. And so with her, she's heard it all her life. And so she's able to articulate, I, I really want to hug right now. Or I really feel like I don't, I don't want to talk to anybody right now. And I respect that and I honor that. But see, that takes so much self-awareness because my instinct, how I grew up, right? I shared my mom, right? 
is to blame, is to act out, is to take it personal, is to not take responsibility for my, that's my instinct. But because I'm aware of it and I've worked on this shit, I'm able to be present for her without judging her for what she's feeling. This is, this is my one. We could talk about this shit like all day because I'm learning something new too. This is really cool because I'm thinking about like past, my past life. So we learned, right, that um, people, if you're listening or you're just tuning in now, we learned that we come in here with like sacred contracts, right, for sacred relationships. We learned that resistance is built in the fuck upness, like through our families that we chose to come to so we can learn and also remember, right? right? We've learned that... Um, Right. That we were taught to do things. Do as I say, not as I do. Respect your elders, the ways of this world. Right. And we also learned that time is not an indicator for why somebody should know something. It, it right. sounds like it's more of the um, experiences that we go through that help us get to the next level and through self-awareness. Right. We've learned that our parents were not and we weren't totally like equipped. To, to really help somebody grow emotionally, yep. right? Or even, even spiritually. And this is the future, right? Like yeah. what Missy Sella is talking about here is might be mind blowing to some of us that we, well, duh, we should have known that it doesn't work when you're yelling at your child to do their fucking homework or why they're so stupid or not. You know, you know what I mean? We know that it feels bad later on because my mom would come in from spanking us sometimes and feel bad that she did it. But our parents still did it. Right. Yeah. So let's just say somebody's dealing, somebody, somebody's brand new, somebody's a parent or somebody's looking to um, to move forward in a new way. What are some practical, easy steps that they could take with um, wanting to communicate more clearly and from a compassionate point of view as a parent or vice versa? Maybe there's a child here that says, fuck, man, I'm being a dick to my parent. Like, how can I communicate better? Right. Because there's no timeline, people. This could be a 50 year old adult wanting to speak to their 90 year old mother, right? Or vice versa. So what are some practical tools or steps that somebody could use today? So I want to start with two, this is called theoretical beliefs. And so these are these real belief systems that you have to believe in, in order to move in this direction. The first one is love is not a transaction. Okay. Love is not an exchange of like money. You know, it's not like I did something for you. And I think this is deeply rooted in our culture. I paid for that shirt. I fucking did all that. And you're going to act like this, right? Yes. And, and so love is not a transaction. Love is who you are. Love is who I am. And when we can tap into the truth of who we are, then what we do and what we say becomes an experience of love. Okay. But see, we think of love as an exchange. You please me and you get the best part of me. And if you piss me off, I'm going to withhold my love. A lot of us, especially, I'm going to say this is very true in the Hispanic culture and the Latinx culture. When somebody pisses us off, we withhold love. We don't talk to them or, or get, they get the worst part of whatever, the worst part of me. And so that withholding love and holding grudges and resentment we need to start to dismantle that bullshit. And so love is who you are. Love is who your child is. The second thing is recognizing that your baby, your child, whether they're 55 or five months or five days, doesn't matter. They are all souls in perfect harmony with the divine. And their experiences is what we see, the experiences of life, the experiences with other people, the experiences in our world, the experiences culturally, um, the, all of those experiences create our values and our value systems is what becomes different. And, and our values are what motivates us to act. And so we have to recognize these unique nuances. Okay, so those two things are really, really important. Um, so what you can do is to, number one, be fully present for that person, for the child. And that means we need to know who they are, what they love, what um, makes them an incredible being, what makes them an incredible being. Um, and I have to say this because a lot of people are stuck on their, their what I, I call this the shut up, the shut up toy. A lot of people are in in their phones they're distracted and it didn't start with just our phones back in the day when i was a kid tv you know we had tv people were watching tv they were zoned out watching tv video games and so it's not just our phones but we're not present with our kids 
And so that's the first thing. And, and an example of that is what I call like the barbecue. You know, when you go to a barbecue, all the kids are playing and all the adults are under the thing. It's like that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I, your home life shouldn't always be that way. There should be a balance between your kids doing their own thing and playing and, and being able to entertain themselves, because I think that's an important part of development, but also that you do play games, you do have conversations. You do, if you watch a TV show together, talk about what you're watching and what they think and what their ideas are and what part did they like. So get to know your child in terms of who they are. The second part is you have to heal your own shit. That means that you can't be, you can't fly off the handle every time your child is irritated, frustrated, or says, I hate you. You have to recognize, and I'm going to say this again, they're not giving you a hard time. They're having a hard time. So don't take it personal. Even if it sounds, per I fucking hate you. You don't know. You don't love me. You don't know what it's like to be a kid. You go, whoa, he's having a really hard time right now. He's having a really hard time right now. You get to be frustrated and you get to have all of your emotions. But let me show you how to express that. So that goes into my third thing. My third thing is you want to know that you're the model. You're the model for how they're going to learn how to be. And so if you are reactive, if you talk shit about people, if you are exclusive and not inclusive of people, if you badmouth whatever, whatever, and then you get pissed off because your kid's the bully at school, you see, you're the model. You're the model for who you want them to be in the world. And you have to show and tell. Come, let me show you how to do this. Come, let me show you how to put the, your clothes back in the closet. Come, let me show you how to put these toys away after you're done. Come, let me show you. Don't just tell. And I think the most important thing is we need to unconditionally love our child, not just when they please us. And so what I mean, what I mean by that is that sometimes we'll say, get out of my face, get out of my face. I don't want to see you right now because you are acting blah, 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 blah. And we need to stop that. We need to say, you're having a, a difficult moment. I'm feeling overwhelmed right now. I'm going to take a moment to breathe. I need to take responsibility for my own shit. I need to say that I'm sorry when I fuck up and I need to take responsibility for that. And so when I take responsibility for that and give my child, this is called holding space letting them to have their emotional response and still say to them, I love you. And I know that you're feeling frustrated right now. And we're going to figure this out. I know we can do this together. And then I have one other thing I'm going to add, because I talk about, you know, we need to stop saying good job to children. We need to stop praising them for like, just good job, good job, good job to motivate them. Instead, say, come the haters. Yeah. Instead say, you did it. You did it. You figured out how to solve this problem. You figured out how to put your shoes on. You figured out how to have a conversation with your friend when you were feeling frustrated. You figured that out. You did that. Doesn't matter. Like, I'm proud of my kid because she exists. Because she's here. I'm proud and I love her because she's here. There's not a damn thing she'll, she can do in this world that's going to change that. I love her no matter what. And so we need to stop having these expectations of children and attach our love to that. So those are my ideas. <laughs> and there's like 80 more. <laughs> yeah, that, you know what I mean? That those are, these are really great. These are awesome. Like I, I'm sitting here and I'm going to reflect and when I watch this back, right? Because there's a lot of useful information in here. Like, why, why aren't these things taught in school, right? Right. We would talk about these things along with like financial literacy, right? Emotional intelligence, right? I, I know some of these concepts. In school. I can tell you why. You want to know why? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's go. Let, let's fuck some people up right now. Like, <laughs> because not it's in a bad about, way. It's, but a, it's about power. Yeah. So if we empower people, particular people of color, if we empower them, to know how to make good choices with money, how to invest in the stock market, how to invest for retirement. If we teach them how to have good relationships with people so they can better their lives, they can better the generations to come. If we teach them to do these things, then we won't have this separation of people, the haves and the have nots. And the have nots are the ones who fill our military 
because they want a better life for themselves and the only way they can see it. Some go into the military because that's their passion. But, you know, my husband went into the military and so we were military for a while. He grew up in the military. Um, he was the uh, uh, Air Force brat. And so what happens is they, they're, they, they're trying to get out of a bad situation and then they waive money for education and opportunity and so they in order to get out of the hood and the ghettos and the barrios they're like i this is the way that i could get a better life and so it's like we continue to create these divisions so the have-nots continue to suffer wow so basically right in the spiritual realm we come here to experience as a human Right. We get fucked up with the laws and the traditions of this earth to suppress us. Right. To stop us from remembering more and more of who we are, because if we find out more and more who we are, like we are now, then we're a problem to the establishment. Yeah. If we figure it out, we can yeah. really create a reality of of abundance and uh, joy and fulfillment and those in power don't like to see that because and this is really cool because power. here we are right now and this conversation right because i have friends that are like in their 80s right now and they're just like oh my gosh we're just learning but here we are in our 40s and our 50s while i'm in my 30s still right and you're still in your 40s very back end close to 50 oh but but hey 40 and 30s okay <laughs> So let's just say, and we're having these conversations live on, on, on television in a sense, right? And then I have friends that are even younger that are starting to understand this and ask questions. So it's happening, right? It might be at a slow process, people, but these conversations and when Isela decided, right, to step up and utilize her knowledge with her degrees that she has along with her soul's purpose, right? It, 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 it's bringing awareness to this world where we're able to have these conversations because now somebody can't just say, you have no way of backing that up. She's like, bitch, <laughs> check this <laughs> shit out. <laughs> Look at this. Like I was in the schooling system, mother love of Jones, and this is my calling, right? So I can see where that heaviness is kind of lifting up because now, right, instead of going with the status quo, instead of like being fearful of our colleagues, what are they going to say that I'm a medium? What are they going to say that I could do this and I'm spiritual, right? That doesn't, that doesn't take away from all the steps she took in order to get to this place academically, because people, let me tell you, this shit she's saying, I've seen it in a lot of different books. I've read it in a lot of different books. Me, I didn't go through the training, but when I sit here and I know what I know about spirituality, and then I hear the way Miss Isela explains it on how the brain works, mother love of Jones, I'm telling you, she's onto something. And I'm so grateful that she finally decided to step up out that shell. Because there's more and more people out there that you know there's a calling inside of you. You know there's something that wants to be pulled out. And you're holding yourself back because of what others are going to say. Or because of what your family is going to think. Or because of what your colleagues are going to do. Right? This is the time is now, people. We are here. We, we could connect with each other. It doesn't matter if you're brown, white, yellow, red, orange, dog, cat. Whatever the fuck. Right? The, 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 this, this stuff is coming out. And now we have the opportunity to run into people like Miss Isela that could help educate you, right? So if there's anything out there that really resonated with you, right? Or if you would like to know more about this kind of stuff, Miss Isela is on her way of showing the world the way, right? How can they find you, Miss Isela? And how can they learn more about these amazing ideas and concepts that you bring into the world in your own unique way? So IselaGarcia.com is um, where most of my information is. And then you'll see the podcast that Mark and I do there. And then you'll also see um, the mini readings that I do with my cousin Tina on Wednesdays. We do free mini readings on Facebook. But in terms of this parenting, and, and, and I want to say it's really about relationships because it doesn't matter whether you apply it to your four-year-old child or your 14-year-old child. If you understood the tenets of how to engage with others while being self-aware of your own actions, behaviors, and thoughts, it's about how you relate to others. So it works with your children. It works with your, uh, your, your parents if you're an adult and looking at your relationship with your parents. And it works with your spouse, your significant others, your friends. It's just about these, these relationship skills that we have to learn to develop. And so that I'm, I'm creating a... Um, 
a hybrid course that will be launched next February. And it is what I mean by hybrid is you'll have three opportunities to meet with me personally. I'll be a Zoom. Uh, I will do an intuitive reading three times at the beginning, at the middle, and at the end. It'll more than likely be a four-month um, course, four to five-month course. We will meet weekly on Zoom with all of those who are part of this group to really be reflective of your journey and your and your ideas and your thoughts and your experiences. And I will have pre-recorded course actual modules that you can do on your own time and a journal that goes with it so it's a hybrid course because it's not just online it's a combination of meeting directly with me and and it really is about you know you healing and you coming for to that next level whatever your level is it could be just the level of awareness or it could be like i've been thinking about this for a really long time and i want to refine my skills and so that will be launched in february cool Yes, I'm so excited. So check this out. Um, uh, throughout the week, I, I posted um, some stuff to my stories, right? And my cousin sent me a question. So she has a question to ask you, okay? Okay. Cassandra, here's your question, yo. She says, as your child gets older, how do you keep them wanting to communicate things? I think this is a really powerful question. Yeah. So it's not just, um, it, here's the challenge with this. It's not just once the child gets older. We nurture the relationship for communication and openness from the time that they're very young. And let me give you an example of this. If your child comes up to you and says, I really hate this. This is stupid. I don't want this. And we go off. We're like, why are you acting like that? You're being selfish. You know, blah, blah, blah. When our children come to us for those little things or want to share things, they go, mommy, look at what I did. Look at how I did. And we go, uh-huh, uh-huh. That's nice. So when they come to us with these little things, we need to stop, pay attention, and open our hearts. And so what that means is you go, tell me more about that. Wow, really? How did that happen? What did you think when you, when you did that? What did you say? You don't know how many times my kid comes to me with a TikTok and she wants to share it with me. And I got to stop. Now, there's sometimes I have to work and I have to say, gee, I'm not right now later but there when i go tell me tell me about she gets in the car and she's like blah 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 about what happened at school i have to be present and i have to come from a place of non-judgment she's not asking for my opinion she's not asking for my judgment she's just wanting to share something with me and where we fuck it up is we start to we start to push our own ideas our thoughts and our opinions so we have to pull back, recognize I'm starting to get uncomfortable or, oh my God, what are they going to do? And we go, oh, wow. So tell me more about that. What are you, what are you thinking about it? Do you feel good about what's happening or would you want to change that? Is that a positive relationship? Is it, a, does it feel good to you or should, should it, is it not something that feels right for you? So what you're doing is you are opening those lines of communication. They're not afraid of your judgment. And you can say, do you want to know what I think about this? Do you want to know what I think about this? The reason why kids don't come to us anymore is because they're afraid of that we're going to judge them, that we're going to tell them what to do, that we're going to hold it against them, that we're going to fly off the handle. And it starts with the little things, the little, little things. We have to be there for the little things because when the big things happen, and they do, they will, because that's the human experience, that they're going to want to come to you. But see, if we raise them in a punishment model, then we become afraid and we get good at manipulation. We get at lying. We get good at, at um, you know, learning how to not get caught. That's what we learn. And that's why they don't come to us. So it's something that's always going to be a forever continuation, even through adulthood, right? Or even through like, and, and people really, when, when you say this, when you talk about this, this could be, this could be relatable into any area of relationships, right? Yeah. It, it, child to parent, student to teacher, yep. right? Boss to employee, vice versa, back and forth, friends to friends. Yeah. Right. Because I know there's been times where I brought something to a friend. Right. And they just think, oh, that's fucking that's dumb. Don't talk to me about shit like that. Right. And it might yeah. have been something that was really like dear to my heart. And then my fucking one of my friends, I thought was my friend, just kind of like shut me down. Yep. Right. Yeah. Damn, no wonder. Exactly it's it. Yeah, that's exactly it, Mark. If I came to you about something and you shut it down or were disinterested or you were like busy doing something else. Oh, yeah. Good. So is that are you good? Like if we're not engaged and interested and open hearted. 
I'm not going to come back to you. I'm like, fuck that. I got another friend I can talk to. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's a relationship thing. And so we need to not, not impose on our children. And so the older they get, the more you have to start asking them questions. What do you think works for you? What would be the next thing to do? How does this feel? Because you want them to start to gauge their responses by how it, how they feel about it. Does it feel good? Or, or do you think you might want to try something different? What are the things you can do? And so the more you can do that, the better they become at thinking, rationalizing, problem solving, and that helps them into their adulthood. Whew. There's a lot to process in this mother loving episode. Let me tell you, people, if you've missed out or if you haven't watched replay, let us know in the comments what were your favorite parts, what were some insights, and how looking back at your life, like reverse engineering your life, where did you see some of the, the teaching moments? Where did you see some of those moments where you could think to yourself, holy shit, my parents don't know shit. And they're just kind of they're just kind of figuring it out on the way, right? And we still don't know shit. Like I just sat here and got educated on a lot of stuff, and yet there's still so much more to remember, yeah. and so much more to learn, right? Do you have any last words before we close out this episode, Miss Isela? Yeah, you know, I I'm still learning from my daughter, and and that's one of the things that we always have to remember is that there's a reciprocity in the relationship in our contract. We decided to come together so that we could learn together. And so she'll say something or do something and I'll have to step back and go, whoa, that was something that's a teachable moment for me. Like I, that's for me to be reflective about and to figure out what's happening inside of me. And so that's that's what the relationship is really about. It's that I am learning as much as you are learning. And together, if we respect, if you can express respect to your child, and you can still have boundaries. I'm not about like, oh, we're being loosey-goosey and the kid can do whatever the fuck they want. That's not at all true. It's that there are clear boundaries, but they come from a place of clear expectations and understanding. And But that's true in every relationship, right? Clear expectations of the relationship, what's acceptable and what isn't acceptable, and that this is how we extend and express love. We are always continuing to learn with every relationship, not just with our children, but with our friends and other family members, our coworkers. When we keep an open heart like this, we can really, I think, tap into the divine truth of who we are as we express ourselves. Ooh. With that being said, thank you all, all the Karens out there, all the haters, right? Thank you all the fucking Todds and douchebags and horrible bosses. <laughs> like, thank you for the amazing learning opportunity you gave us to help us remember who we truly are because it was contracted. Believe it or not, that motherfucker that cut you off today, thank him for teaching you something. <laughs> Patience, right? Hopefully you're okay. You know, somebody breaking your wreck, but you get what I'm saying, people, right? We have the opportunity to re remember that we are truly perfect at the core of our soul. With that being said, thank you for tuning in to Brown and Spiritual as fuck with me and Dr. Isela Garcia. And we hope to see you on the next one in two weeks from now, I believe it is. So once yep. again, leave us a comment, like, share, subscribe, tag a friend that might could, um, learn something from this and it could help them in any way possible. Thank you very much. We love you. Remember the light. The power is within. Do you remember who you used to be? Remember who you used to be? Do you remember what you really are?